Hey guys, and welcome back to Lumis Maxima, the podcast with bright ideas about all things Harry Potter. I'm Sarah. And I'm Delaney, and we're your hostess with the most. This podcast will contain spoilers, mature language, adult themes, and a lot of opinions. Each week, we analyze Harry Potter themes, content, characters, and more. And we even do some extra stuff to keep it fun and fresh. Now that you know the deal, let's get into the real stuff in this week's episode. Hi, welcome back. It's Lumos Maxima, and we are doing my favorite kind of episodes because it's all about me and also <laughs> Delaney. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess Delaney's opinion is also cool, but we just wrapped up our death series, which was obviously super serious and kind of heavy. So, <laughs> I mean, more heavy for Delaney than it was for me. We've talked about that before, but mm-hmm. we are going to be doing a couple of standalone episodes and we thought it'd be great to kick it off with a host Q&A because when I was looking back at all our episodes, it's been a really long time since we've done one and um, Delaney is, you're like all but done with the books now. Almost, Yeah. So she's super close. So Mm -hmm. we're going to do some questions that we've answered before that may have changed now that she's just got like a couple more chapters and then um, do some questions that have popped up in recent uh, media (laughs) and just talk about all sorts of stuff and then just, you know, obviously answer some stupid ones because why not? So and these are fun. These are fun. Yeah, all, do, so. I, all of these are fun. The mm-hmm. first Q&A that we did was our Getting to Know Your Host, and that was our first episode. And mm-hmm. in that episode, if you want to go listen to it, you can find all of the basics, what house we're in, our wands, our Patronuses, all that kind of stuff. There's mm-hmm. another Q&A at some point between the first episode and the 31st episode. I'm not really sure where it falls. Um, I can't remember. But it's, mm-hmm. it's labeled Q&A in some way. So you can do that one. We answer some more deep questions, and then obviously there's this one. Before we get started today, we got uh, we got an email from a listener who I'm gonna butcher this name, and I'm really sorry. Aisling is my guest, who wrote mm-hmm. us and said that um, she was a big fan of the podcast, really good work, and wanted to talk about. She said it's our third episode, but it's the Muggle non relations. I have no idea what episode it is. It could be our third episode. Mm-hmm. Where we talked about Harry's, um, quote, blood status and Ron and Hermione's and then what their kids would be. And we said that Harry wasn't a half-blood because both parents were magical. And she was saying because his mom was a muggle-born, Harry would be a half-blood. So, So, yeah, I I think the thing is that in that episode, we were debating what even pure blood means. Because a lot of people... A lot of people think it's, oh, you have two magical parents, which would make him a pureblood. Mm-hmm. But, but my, one of my friends actually brought up that, it, I mean, it definitely depends because if um, in like the seventh book, the ministry would think that um, Lily was not a witch because she was muggle-born. So then Harry would be a half-blood. So it, it depends on your definition. Right. And I think and that's I mean- what we were talking about. Yes. So if you looked at just the parents, Harry mm-hmm. would be a half-blood. Ron would be a pure blood, mm-hmm. and um, Hermione would be a Muggle-born. But if you look any more than just their immediate family, it gets a lot more complicated. So 
Ron, it just always is a pureblood because as far as we know, every single member of his family, except for like one random uncle is magical. Mm-hmm. But Harry has a little bit more complicated. His mom is obviously a muggle born, but based on but how she is a witch, right? Mm-hmm. She's a witch. So there's magic somewhere in her lineage because magic is supposedly passed down in that way. And that's why it's so surprising when a magical family who's got a lot of magic has a squib for a kid mm-hmm. because it gets passed down like that. But based on how Lily's parents reacted, they were so excited. They were so supportive. You could assume that they know that somewhere in their family tree is someone that had magical capabilities. Mm, so maybe, maybe not, but maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. So we, we said he was pureblood because he's got two magical parents as compared to Hermione has no magical parents. And as compared to Ron, who has both magical parents, mm-hmm. but it depends on your definition. Yeah. Right. It depends on the definition. And there isn't a clear definition of how blood status is determined. Um, right. Because... And I think it's because it's, it's social. It's not. Right. Like exactly. A... Um, and if you look at it in the most stringent way, very few people are purebloods. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because very few families haven't married outside or have, not, have married outside. I'm getting confused. A lot of people wow. have intermarried. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Malfoys would be a pureblood family and the Weasleys would be a pureblood family up until Ron and Hermione got married. So mm-hmm. there's very few people that would be strictly pureblood at this point, yeah. which is a topic that gets brought up in the books a lot that, I mean, no one's a pureblood anymore. Like the, right. that's just not how society rolls basically. So mm-hmm. the biggest thing that would be up for debate, I think would be what Harry and Ginny's kids would be. Yeah, because technically true. Harry has two magical parents and Ginny has two magical parents and Harry and Ginny are both magical, but right. they have really close non-magical relatives. It's so I think it's confusing, but I thought it was really good feedback because that is such yeah. a confusing aspect of the wizarding world. Yeah. So, and, like, and like she said, like she would believe that um, they would be non-pure blood, Harry and Ginny's kids, right? Right. She says that they would be half-blood children, just like right. Rod and Hermione's. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasoning for that. It's a very logical reasoning. And that's why I think we were kind of bringing it up is like, what the hell is pure Right. Blood? Because, so. but see, I would think that Ron and Hermione's and Harry and Ginny's would be different because Hermione is a muggle-born. Right. But Ginny Whereas, and Harry are mm-hmm. not. So it's it's very confusing. But that was really it good is confusing. feedback. We yeah. love getting emails from you guys. Like we said, we will talk about them. Mm-hmm. So thank you for appreciating all our work on the podcast, too. And thank you for your email. If you guys want to reach out to us, it's lumusmaximapodcast at gmail.com. I promise we read all of them. So yeah. mm-hmm. head us up. So there's no weekly wizarding question this week. Um Obviously, we would have done it by now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But because we're doing a Q&A, we figured we could just skip the question portion of our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> so it's a not-so-weekly wizarding question. <laughs> it's a normal weekly, but this week we decided to skip it. Well, technically, these are all wizarding questions. That's so true. maybe, mm-hmm. in reality, we're doing 17 of them. Who knows? Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So without without further ado, this is our part three. I can't believe it's part three. Part three of our Q&A not series series. Mm -hmm. And the first is, what object would you use to make a horcrux? I would like to- This one is so interesting to me. I would like to say one, 
why would anyone assume that anyone would want to make a horcrux well true but if you were going to right if i was going to if i was because that's a big deal like which object right you put a piece of your soul in i kind of like voldemort's drama appeal to what he chose as his horcruxes mm-hmm. i think i would follow kind of the same tenet where i would want it to be something that was like super bougie and exclusive and had a lot of meaning um not necessarily valuable but mm-hmm. something that was historically relevant in some way i think i would probably choose an art piece at the louvre <laughs> like mm. so it would be in plain sight but, you know, mm-hmm. people wouldn't really know that it was there. Um, maybe not one that had a direct connection. I do think his obviously downfall is that he chose all things that were easily traced back to him. Yeah. But so it would have to be a random one. Um, but something that was, you know, really valuable, really sought after uh, in the public eye, something like that, I think. Nice. And in a direct contrast, I would not <laughs> want to do that. You would pick a pebble. I... No, I would not. I would pick, I would probably pick a book of some kind, but I wouldn't pick like a valuable copy that a lot of people Mm -hmm. are going to want. I'd pick like just a regular book, honestly. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's probably a good idea. The whole point of a Horcrux is that you know what it is and other people don't. So exactly when other, when people, and this is like, you see it on the internet all the time. Why didn't he just pick like a rock? Well, you have to be able to find the Horcrux as far as yeah. I know. You have to be able have to, to be have able it to... in your possession to then get mm-hmm. the soul piece out of it. So if you just picked like a grain of sand, it, you would just never find it. You would right. just float in limbo forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So. But it, like Dumbledore's it, copy of Beetle and the Bard. Yes. That's the kind of thing that I would do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there's your Slytherin versus Gryffindor answer. <laughs> I was talking to someone the other day who wanted said that they wanted to be sorted into Slytherin so bad, but ended up mm-hmm. as a Gryffindor. And I was like, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't jive. For I was me. like, that's <laughs> one that's so weird. Like it's, it's not super obvious when you take the sorting quiz, but like, if you're a Slytherin, uh, you know what you're picking for these things. Um, yeah. And I was like, damn, that's a rough life. Like we have so much more fun, but I just uh, thought it was, I just I thought it was that. so funny that someone because I mean there are a lot of people that take it and when the quiz first came out and people wanted to end up in Gryffindor and so they picked the answers they thought would get them into Gryffindor and Uh this is the first time I've ever heard someone be like I wanted to be in Slytherin I'm like I don't know that anybody ended up in Gryffindor wants to Mm -hmm. be in Slytherin but once you end up in Slytherin you're like yeah that's probably about right so that was funny I agree Mm -hmm. yeah so question two we know that wizards can invent their own spells and magic Snape does it Dumbledore does it um Dumbledore creates the Deluminator, which is also called the Putter Outer, whatever. Depending on what you want to call it. Whatever. (laughs) Um, So if you could make a spell or a magical object, what would you create? You go first. Okay. So I would make both because I feel like it would be super useful. Um, But I would want some, I would create a magical object that allowed me to communicate with people similarly to how cell phones are. But that mm-hmm. functioned within the magical world. I feel like there's a really big lacking communication aspect. They have owls, which are very quick, but not that quick, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I would want something that facilitated more instant communication. I know that you can do it with a Patronus, um, mm-hmm. but a device that, like, I could give. Like, 
a more commercialized version of the coins that Hermione creates, something that you could just send like a, a message to someone, not necessarily urgent. Um, yeah. That would be my magical just object. A... Yeah, just as like mm-hmm. a, hey, this way I don't have to sit down, get my feather and ink, write a letter, attach it to a bird, send it, you know, something a little easier. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. a spell. I don't know. Uh, because I don't know every spell that's ever been created, I would probably repeat a spell that was already done. But it would probably be something for people who piss me off. Nice. Slow it, would be, it would be some kind of like a hex or a jinx. Nothing that would hurt anyone or leave any permanent damage. So Okay, something that could have the capability to hurt someone or leave permanent damage, but only if I meant for it to. You know? Yeah. I don't know what I would yeah. want it to do, but I would want it to do something. Yeah. Something. So, so for me, the object that I would make, it sounds really strange, but something that could like hold magical energy. So where like, you wouldn't have to use a wand necessarily. Do you know what I mean? Like something like that, where, um, you wouldn't have to have a wand or know how to do wandless magic to do magic. Wouldn't that so, just like, even, replace like, the wand? No, not necessarily. Like it, cause it can, it would probably only be able to hold a certain amount is what I'm thinking. But Anyways, it's that kind of thing, because then, like, squibs could use a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. but can you use someone else's magic? Like, if you harness someone else's energy and magic, well, see, it's you a, use it? It depends, because on the sci-fi show uh, Magicians, they actually, like, there's an entity that controls how much magic is available. Right. And yeah. if there isn't, like, magic in the air, then you can't use magic. So that kind of thing is what I'm thinking in that mm-hmm. kind of realm, because mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> um, spell wise it would probably be some like a really quick uh time turner situation but like you can only go back like 10 minutes or something like that so you're mm-hmm. not messing like with crazy timelines but like if you like trip and fall in in like a really important presentation or something you can oh go back 10 minutes and like fix that that kind of situation see i just could not care less if i embarrass myself in front of other people because i'm just not that easily embarrassed so for me i would be well, like no, but but I mean, that was just an example, but like right. you drop something or you, yeah. know, you mess up cooking, you put too much salt, like anything, any yeah. like kind of thing like that, that just fixes like a little thing, not like a major, let's destroy the entire Harry Potter timeline with a time turner or situation. I'm but... confident that there's some sort of um, parody superhero movie where the guy can travel time, but he can only go back 30 seconds. <laughs> Oh. I'm confident that I've seen that before. It was I know, I'll have to look it up. I don't know what it is. That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, something like that. Just a little quick one. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Okay. That's kosher. Mm-hmm. So would you rather be a member of the Order of the Phoenix, Dumbledore's Army, or the Death Eaters? Dumbledore's Army. The I, grassroots operation. I like I it. I think Dumbledore's Army, not necessarily because it's grassroots, but because you kind of have the option of getting involved if you wanted it which is nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're in the Order of the Phoenix, you've already committed to whatever cause they do, which, I mean, is fair. Yeah. That's how militant groups work. Um, yeah. And Dumbledore's army, I feel like there's still an aspect of fun yeah. to it, mm-hmm. at least until the end. I mean, obviously, during the Battle of Hogwarts, it gets, like, you know, real. But, um, yeah, I feel like it was really fun. It was almost a social activity, which was nice until the end. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Dumbledore's yeah. Army. Also, we are, well, I guess actually we are both the age where we would be in the Order of the Phoenix by now, not Dumbledore's yes, Army. Mm-hmm. But right. I feel like Dumbledore's Army progressed nicely into like the new age order. So, 
yeah mm-hmm. i mean they're really connected anyway so yeah, yeah. But, uh good for us for mm-hmm. not picking the death eaters good for you for not picking the death eaters let's be honest with ourselves we don't know I for sure that there were no non-slytherin death eaters no i'm just saying that i would not well, be a death eater ever i wouldn't but either how, how <laughs> no, would i be in a I'm racist kidding. genocidal group that was offensive that was no, I'm mean kidding. We're going to move on from that. Would you rather fight a Dementor or the Basilisk? Dementor. Basilisk. Dementors, Dementors seem easy to me. If you can conjure a Patronus, you can fight off a Dementor. If you can See, conjure a I, powerful one, you can fight off many of them. Like, I don't feel like they're that I don't scary. think so, because, like, the Patronus, you have to be thinking of a good memory, and you have to be able to control your emotions, Where while the Dementors are literally doing the opposite to your emotions. So I think it's more of like a mental game than the basilisk is. I feel like I have pretty good control over my emotions most of the time. I I think fighting a basilisk would be fun. It's challenging. It's something new and fresh. I like it. I'd fight a basilisk. New and fresh. (laughs) I'm also not afraid of snakes. I think that's a big, Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing for people is that it's a big old snake with little horns. Um, just didn't really bother me that much, I guess. So a tag no. onto that, which is scarier, Dementors or Inferi? Inferi. Oh, yeah, 100%. Those are the dead people that Voldemort created his own little mummy army out of. But, like, much mm-hmm. more terrifying than your stereotypical mummy. Yeah. Yeah. No. The, the Inferi remind me of, like, White Walkers in Game of Thrones, which is yeah, kinda. totally terrifying. Kind of. They basically are. Which is easier to kill, a Dementor or an Inferi? Can you kill a Dementor? I don't think you can. I'm not really I've sure. I've never heard of a Dementor dying. But I know that they breed, so I would think that yes. they die in some way. Yeah. I know that you can make them go bye-bye, but I don't know right. that you could. Mm. And then, obviously, the Inferi. We've never heard of anything killing a Dementor. Right. I don't know how you kill an Inferi either, though. They're already dead. Well, I know, but kill them again, I guess. I know, that's what I'm saying, is that they're already dead. Can I get, you kill them again or yeah, just destroy them? Just Well, yeah. Okay, so I think both these you destroy, because I don't know that Dementors are necessarily alive either. True. Hmm. Okay. If you could only Anyways. pick one to survive, would you pick Lily or James Potter? James. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I kinda, I'm kind of leaning towards Lily, but at the same time... Then we wouldn't, I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like we would still have Snape if Lily didn't live. But if Lily lived, I don't know if we'd have Snape how he is. I think we would. Snape might still be a Death Eater. Oh, I mean, I don't know that Snape really changed a whole lot. I I get what he did. I don't know that it was the best way to go about it. I think James... But I mean, he, he stopped being a Death Eater because Lily was a target and then died. Yeah, but do you think that Snape's actions really led to the absolute and total downfall of everything? No, but I think he was a major player. But I know I don't I don't know if I mean somebody uh, else could have done the same I th- thing. I think there are a lot of other directions that could have gone with the same end result. It just happened mm-hmm. to go that way, obviously, because it was written that way. I think right. if James survives, Harry's life is much more enhanced just because of the individuals that come into Harry's life later Mm -hmm. are the friends of James. Um, Yeah. And we just, we just don't get any backstory on Lily really when it comes to her friends. We know she's a good person, 
But yeah, I, I feel like the community that Harry has is because of James. So right, I'm gonna go James. Yeah. Also, okay. you know, single dads. That's cool. Good job, guys. Single moms. Mm-hmm. Also cool. Mm-hmm. It's all hard. Yeah. Which would okay. you be more hyped for, a Sorcerer's Stone prequel or a Deathly Hallows sequel that is not Cursed Child, but something actually written by JK? Prequel. Done. Yeah, you're super Marauder heavy. I'm going to go... I do love Marauders. I'm going to go sequel. I feel like... I think a Void was created since Cursed Child just totally missed the mark for me. Yeah. Um, and so I would like to see something written that you know, talks about what actually happened because there, there was a finite amount of struggle that happened with the Wizarding Wars, the Battle mm-hmm. of Hogwarts, and I feel like post-war time is so complex. There was yeah. a lot that could have been written about it. I mean, there's a lot of character yeah. evolution that I want to see. A lot of storylines that don't get tied up super well, I feel like. I want to see those. And see... The reason that I kind of want a prequel isn't necessarily just because I like the Marauders, which I do, but because if you go prequel, then we get to explore these characters that were mentioned, but not really, like, we didn't really know them as people necessarily. And then um, it, to me, with a sequel, sometimes you can mess up, like, my, in, like, vision of certain characters. You know yeah, what I mean? Because well, Chris Child did that a little bit. fiction's already done that for me. <laughs> I yeah, don't but... I don't base anything that happened other than Hermione becoming Minister of Magic on Cursed Child because it wasn't no, written definitely by not. JK. Um, but I feel like but it's say t- like, like JK you... J- say JK wrote a sequel and yeah. what if what if the characters were like they were in Cursed Child? Like I feel like that would like Oh, they wouldn't change. Be, I don't think they would be, but like sometimes sequels can change the way that you see a certain character whereas like a prequel it's it's technically the same storyline but it's and it has some of the same characters, but it's characters that you haven't really gotten into very much in the original series. So it's, like, new, but not. And that's why I kind of like it. Yeah. I think if any of this was going to come out, it probably would have been written by now, which is yeah. the saddest part. Yeah, definitely. Oof. Moving right along. Would you rather be in the Slug Club or a Dueling Club? Dueling Club? Because Slug Club is, like, networking which i hate and dueling club is like actually doing something it's kind of a sport see so. i'm gonna go slug club because one i don't know dessert um but two <laughs> i think with that group of people it could easily progress into a casual dueling club whenever they felt like it whereas the dueling club couldn't necessarily progress into what slug club was mm-hmm. um i don't know i think there's something to be said there's the, i mean the power of networking is is oh big. yeah it's just um, also awful at the same time. <laughs> I hate it. A lot. It's so necessary, though, man. If uh-huh. you know someone, whoo, makes a huge oh, for sure. difference. Huge difference. For sure. Mm-hmm. How important do you think Slughorn's memory actually is? And if so you guys I don't, don't think know, it. Yeah, the memory. The memory is basically what they spend all of Half Blood Prince talking about. That's why they bring Slughorn back to the castle. It's because he has a memory of the conversation that went down between him and Tom Riddle as a student about Horcruxes. Yeah. So I don't think that if they didn't get Slughorn's memory, that it would have changed the story much. I think they still would have gone kind of on the same path. But I think it was a way to 
um, solidify what Dumbledore was already thinking and help give some kind of indication as to how many Horcruxes that were made. I see. I think it's really important because in the movie, they kind of, they cut the scene a little short, but it, Mm -hmm. one, it shows that Slughorn didn't intend for this to be what he did, what Voldemort ended up doing. It also shows that he's like very much so explaining, Hey, like, why would anyone want to live this way? This is the most terrible way to live. You have to commit the worst sin to do it. Like he prefaces it in a way that makes you think like, oh, he honestly thought there was no way anyone, including Tom Riddle, would do it. You know, he just thought Tom Riddle was an inquisitive person, which I am too. I ask questions like this all the time, not necessarily like this, but you know, questions that other people would be like, oh, that's kind of, um, that's kind of off brand. And and I get that. So for Slughorn himself and his reputation, I think it's really important. Yeah. But I'm not sure that it's necessarily that important for the way the plot would continue. I see. And I think it is because it says, I think it says exactly how many they're needing to look for, which yeah, I agree. on this hunt, I think is so important because then they look back and they're like, okay, we've already gotten X amount we're halfway there. That's encouraging. And there's only so many more. So let's think of the most important objects related to those that we've already found. Oh, well, that narrows it down one from each of the founders, you know, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I do, I do I think, agree that I it think gives it's an indication really important. of how many he made. Yeah. I, do I, think, and that, I, I that think that's true. important because Voldemort killed a lot of people. So mm-hmm. he had the potential to make a lot of Horcruxes. Yeah. So I, I think it's really important to the Horcrux hunt and to the progression of this whole we're going to kill Voldemort we have to fight you know these seven yeah. treasures kind of thing I, I definitely think it would have been a lot harder and a lot um, more iffy uh, every time they found a Horcrux if they didn't have an indication as how many there were but I don't I don't think it would have necessarily changed the direction they were going in anyways, but yeah, I do think it oh, definitely yeah. I don't, helped. I don't think it changed the direction, but I do think it gave it an undertone of urgency because each yeah. one was actually getting towards the right. last one versus, I mean, if we had no idea that there were, you know, seven, we're like, um, so when does this end? How right. do we know? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do we know that they got them all, you know? Right. I agree. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Do you think that Dobby recognized, rec- <laughs> recognized wow. Tom Riddle's diary? It was in his master's house for basically, as far as we know, the whole time. I do think he recognized it. Yes. And I, I think that's too. one of the things that tipped it off as to why I, he felt like he needed to tell Harry. I think that Dobby, although he was a great plot device, um, didn't do a great job. Love Dobby. <laughs> Love Dobby. But like, obviously Dobby wants someone to know shit's going to go down. The Chamber of mm-hmm. Secrets is going to be opened. He knows that this is Voldemort's diary. Well, that's debatable. There are so many people that didn't know that Tom Riddle became Voldemort. They didn't know who Voldemort was before, you know, Mm -hmm. um, most of them are dead who actually knew him, but I don't know. I just feel like he knew that this was Voldemort's diary. I feel like he definitely knew. I don't know what he would have done with the information. That's not helpful for me to be like, yeah, he knew. I don't know what he would have done with it, but no, I don't either, but I I do think he knew. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why there was such a sense of urgency of like telling Harry that like horrible things are about to happen. (laughs) Yeah. So and yeah. boy did they ever. And boy did they. Yeah. And then they fought a basilisk, so that's cool. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a good time. I have a question. So good. Harry okay. is a horcrux. Yeah. Harry gets bitten by the basilisk. 
True. Why didn't the Horcrux die? Why didn't the Horcrux die? They used the Basilisk Fang to kill a Horcrux in a later date. So maybe because it wasn't intentional, can you only kill a Horcrux with intention? Maybe it's because I don't I don't know. Because Voldemort didn't Voldemort killed the Horcrux and he didn't intend to. Yeah. Voldemort made a Horcrux and didn't even intend to. Right. 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 So that's a that's a big plot hole for me. I think this too. The only thing I can maybe think of is like maybe when he was bitten by the basilisk, it wasn't enough venom to kill him or kill the Horcrux. But yeah, I mean, it goes through his iffy. arm. And I, I don't or know, maybe, maybe it's because of how Fox healed it. Like maybe right, so it was it instantaneous. Got to it in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, but agreed, I have big yeah. questions when we do our fan theory and plot hole episode. That will be on mm-hmm. there. That will be yeah. on there. okay so we have to talk about it we talked about it some last episode a little bit about Dumbledore's backstory that was being written has your opinion on JK's back writing changed after these recent events that have just come out we've talked about um canon versus not canon and that kind of evolving theory towards JK all of her back writing and then obviously the things that she's come out with recently so how are you feeling about that so I think that 90% of what she's done, whether it be back writing or whatever, I've been fine with, but I do think that it is getting to a little bit of a crazy level. So I, yeah, I think it's, it's so hard because the intent of canon writing is that Mm -hmm. the author is the author. It is their universe. They can write to their heart's content about it. They could technically contradict themselves all the time, Mm -hmm. but then there's, death of an author theory once the series has ended anything they write is supplemental to that and is not necessarily canon if she's writing it it's got to be canon for me that doesn't mean i that agree I, that I doesn't agree. mean that i agree with it right. a lot of the things that have been written on pottermore cursed child etc were not actually written by her so i'm okay with brushing those off but right th- she's <laughs> she's ever present on twitter and mm-hmm. in interviews and it just gives all this information um, and there are obviously questions that we want answers to, but I don't think she puts any thought into them. She just says kind of whatever pops into her head with a lot of it. Um, so I think she puts some thought to it. And I, 90% of it, I love it. Because like you said, we have questions we want answered. I want more information. But there is about 10% of what she says where it's getting a little bit, did you think about it? Yeah, like I agree. Like there are some points, especially recently, where it's like, I don't know if you're, this is actually what you intended or if you're just pandering. So I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, there's stuff that, like, she could just write another book. Like, people asked what happened to Hermione's parents, and she just goes, yeah, she brought them home straight away. Yeah. And, you know. That doesn't bother me. Like, some of it's funny. People ask, why is Harry's um, scar lightning-shaped? And she basically said, like, my hero couldn't have a a donut-shaped scar. Nice. Which is, like, that's funny. But Mm. then when asked about... um, why Snape's portrait never goes into the headmaster's office after he dies. It's Uh because she's like, well, Snape abandons his post before he dies. So he didn't get to be in that circle. But I think that Harry would have put his portrait up. Yeah. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there's little things like that, but for the most part, I'm fine with the majority of what she says. (sighs) Some of it, some of it I like because it confirms things like was Harry's invisibility cloak the invisibility cloak? Yes. She said it was. Mm-hmm. Cool. I did. Yeah. Um, other wizarding schools, though, like 
she just made up some shit. <laughs> well, technically, all of it's made up. But technically, yeah. all of it's made up. But like, I don't know. So, uh, to make a long story short, I my opinion on her back writing has not changed. I think it's annoying, and I've thought it was annoying. I understand that it's her universe, and she can totally write whenever she wants. But I think she has a responsibility to the fan base to not really dick it up. I get that. And I, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of what she's doing at this point. And it's just, it's getting so excessive. It used to be once a year, she'd like write some shit and we're like, yeah, what? but now it's like every day, it seems like something new is popping up. That's like, I don't know. I'm not about it. Yeah. No, nah. I don't know. No. I think there's been a lot of choices made with the Fantastics B series that I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm totally not on board with that, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. She's going to, they're going to make them anyway. Yep. Um, do you know who killed Remus and Tonks without looking it up? So I know who killed Tonks. I had to look up who killed Remus. Okay. This is, so we talk about all the time how unceremonious their death was and how it just kind of gets brushed mm-hmm. by. I would say at least 85% of the people I asked this question to don't know, don't know. who killed them. They just know that yeah. they're dead. So yeah. it, it should not surprise anyone that Tonks was killed by Bellatrix. Right. Mm-hmm. That just seems not like the natural, the natural thing for her to kill um you know whatevs but yeah no one knows who killed lupin it's also because he's like a not even like a tertiary character it's just like a teeny tiny little minor character that you hear mentioned like twice right he so he gets mentioned uh, a couple times but it's it's dolahov who kills mm-hmm. um lupin and like yeah i don't think anyone i've asked that question to knows who it is no, for I definitely death. had to look it up. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it, it's one of those things that kills me because people are like, I loved Lupin and he was the favorite and he died and it was awful. I'm like, who killed him? And they're like, uh. I think that just shows you how unceremonious his, <laughs> right. death, his death was. It's, because I mean, people we talk who about love it him, all the time. Yeah, people who love him don't know. I have it's no me, idea. It, me, yeah, including me. Like, I definitely had to look it up for yeah. sure. So, yeah. <sighs> all right. So. We've talked about this before, but now that you're pretty much done with the books, is there an update on your least favorite magical object aspect, et cetera, of these books? Or is it the same as it was before? I don't even know if I, what did I say before? I guess, I guess what I said was um, lack of uh, different kinds of female relationships and female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, no, still the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think... I think mine was the time turner before, and I think it still uh-huh. is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, again, super fun piece of magic, but like, it, it it's does. It is so problematic. Many, it's problematic to the storyline. It makes the storyline fluid, which maybe that's why she did it so that she could do maybe. all this shit now. It's possible. Um, I would not put it past her. Has your favorite magical aspect or object changed? No. No. Okay. My, my favorite object, either. my favorite aspect is still that. Um, uh, it shows how brave people can be and how um, how people can make a difference in certain situations. And yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how people come together. Like yeah. That. And so what I found with this question is when I talk to people about it, the first thing that you read that you don't like is still the last thing that you don't like. And your mm-hmm. favorite thing, the first thing that you read that's your favorite is still your favorite, even yeah. if it gets established in Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a fun thing about the books. There's a lot that I like. There's plenty that I dislike. You know, obviously we like it a lot, though, for doing a podcast on it. So yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that liquid luck isn't used more? This is something that's always talked about. 
I don't mm-hmm. think that people um, read the books sometimes no, when it's, it's talked about. Ridiculously hard to brew. Not only all. that, but if you use it a lot, you go insane. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's a super, like lasting super... lasting side effects. Yeah, it's a super complicated thing. They had... Um, Slughorn talks about it. There were people who used it all the time and it was great for a little bit and then they basically go insane. And mm-hmm. so it's something that you have to use very, very cautiously because mm-hmm. it's like... It reminds me of any of those drugs that people use, any pain medications and stuff. Like, it's chill uh-huh. when you use as intended. And then as soon as you take it one step too far, it's mm-hmm. all over. Yeah, That is a yep. nod towards our opioid crisis. Yeah. Yes. All right. So our last two questions kind of go together a little bit. Um, the first one is, do you think that the house system is outdated and or hurtful? Mm-hmm. you listen to Harry Potter and the sacred text. Yes. Yeah, so that's where, that's where this question came <laughs> from. Um, so I was listening to Harry Potter and the sacred text, which is a interesting podcast. I recommend anyone listening to it. They look I, at things very uh, cool. I listened to one episode and I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I tried. It, it definitely depends. Yeah. Because they, so it. what it is, is that they, yeah, they, they look at it. And analyze as if they were analyzing, um, like, the Bible, any kind mm-hmm. of religious aspect. So mm-hmm. they look at it that way. And I love some of the things that they are able to bring out of the books and certain chapters um, and, like, overall themes. I think it's interesting. But it was, so Yeah, they... the episode was very informative, very insightful. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't appreciate looking at a fiction young adult series in that way. I love text analyzation. I love interpretation of text, but I, I it wasn't for me. Yeah, wasn't for I, me. I totally Which get is it. Cool. it. And there are episodes that I like more than others. And yeah. Um, but, but anyways, I was listening to them and they were talking about how they thought that the house system was extremely outdated and hurtful and almost like segregation like. And See, so that brought up, do you think that, do you think that it's outdated? I don't think it's outdated. I think that the stereotypes people have about the houses are outdated. Um, but I don't think the house system is outdated. There has to be a way of putting people into groups, for lack of better terms, at a school structured like Hogwarts is. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of stereotypes, which we've talked about before, about the houses that Hufflepuff is weak and Slytherins are murderers and Ravenclaws are snobby, you know, whatever else. Mm-hmm. But if you decide not to buy into the stereotypes, it makes sense that you say, oh, you guys have a lot of things in common. You're going to live together for the next eight years or seven yeah. years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That actually makes sense. So although the houses were kind of founded on a sense of superiority, obviously Salazar Slytherin had some issues, but as long as mm-hmm. the houses progress away from their stereotypes, I don't think that the house system is hurtful in any way. A lot of people are very proud of their houses. Yeah. Um, a lot of and- networking is done through their houses. A lot of careers are built through their houses. So yeah. I, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's segregating because nobody gets left out of anything. Yeah, and I, um, I do there's agree. There's no, I, like, separate but equal tenant. Everyone gets the exact same opportunities. It just happens to be who their academic advisor is and mm-hmm. where they sleep at night. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think it's outdated. I, I think that there's nothing wrong with people of like-mindedness wanting to be 
together. I mean, that mm-hmm. happens all the time. Sororities and fraternities, like there, that's, there are certain that's kinds exactly of... what these houses remind me of. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what it is, is that you go to this um, sorority or whatever, where you fit in the most. That's just, I mean, that's mm-hmm. in how friend groups work too. That's how everything works. So I don't think right. there's anything wrong with it. And one of the things that the, um, the podcast was bringing up that they were like, well, if you're brave, you should also want to be smart and kind and loyal. And like, it's not that they're saying you can't be the other things of the house. It's just mm-hmm. saying that like you have most, most yeah, of your similar are... aspects with these people. Those are the things that you think are most important. And I think that people have this pitfall of looking at houses as an exclusivity system rather than an inclusivity system. It's including people in groups that they have the most in common with, which happens naturally in everyday life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There are outliers in every house, just like every friend group has someone where you're like, how did they ever get into this friend group? And you're like, well, it just kind of happened. And although there's not a lot of writing that says that there's necessarily a lot of people not in Gryffindor who are in the Gryffindor friend group, that doesn't mean that they don't get along perfectly fine. So, yeah, I mean, look at, um, yeah, I mean, look at Luna. She's in a very Gryffindor-centric kind of friend group. Yeah, So it's absolutely. not like you can, like, not be friends with other people and, in the other houses. And obviously, the Harry Potter series was written from a perspective that Slytherins are bad, Gryffindors are good. There's this rivalry between Harry and Draco. Um, the main bad guy was a Slytherin. So it's really easy to look at the bad aspects of the houses and think, you know, the system's super outdated. It's creating monsters. I don't, I disagree. I don't think it does. I disagree too. I disagree. No, Mm -hmm. I think there are stereotypes about the houses that are bad. I think there are bad people in every house. I I just don't, I mean, they just don't write about the shitty Gryffindors because it wouldn't be fun for the Harry Potter series to have shitty Gryffindors. Except for Peter Pettigrew. Pettigrew. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I disagree. Um, I I think there was an initial sense of superiority because, I mean, obviously Salazar left because he didn't like it, but Mm -hmm. I I disagree. I disagree too. The tag on to that is, what are your thoughts on the blood status of students? Should it matter? Do we think that pure bloods or any other group is more talented or better students? Nah. See, I think that's outdated. I think that's outdated. One, because... There are essentially no purebloods left. Yeah, um, stupid. Although initially it probably mattered socially, not necessarily to me, but socially <clears throat> with the original families, um, the wizarding world expanded just like any other culture. Mm-hmm. New people came from different places. People got married. People had kids. Society evolved. So, I mean, we know that Hermione is a muggle-born who's very talented and a great student. Mm-hmm. So that right there... I think says a lot about it. There are a lot of good students, talented students who are not pure bloods. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's just, and I also think that the pure blood and people wanting to keep pure blood is honestly just like, will be the downfall of the wizarding community because there's already so few of them. So yeah. trying to keep it just in certain families, they're all going to die out. They're all going to marry their sisters and it's going to yeah. be like the Royal family of England. Back exactly. in the day, not now, back, back in, in the day. day, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, they're literally just going to bring on the death of the wizarding community if they don't right. allow other people in. It's right. stupid. And there's an obvious evolution. I mean, Ron comes from a heavily 
pure blood family and he's like no one's pure blood anymore like no one cares and the only people that still care are people who have worked really really hard to maintain that pure-blooded status and although mm-hmm. i think that there are perks to being a quote pure blood family like the malfoys get away with so much yeah um mm-hmm. but and usually they're usually they have more money so right, there's that. they do have more money they're the old money families mm-hmm. um but i mean the government up until the seventh book doesn't give a shit you know, no. it's just not like that. And then, you know, everything just gets weird when Death Eaters take over. But mm-hmm. I mean, the, we had this problem in the United States for a long time. I think that we firmly established it does not matter. Nope. Yeah. People, so. people are who they are regardless. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. the wizarding world is getting there. Um, yeah, hopefully. If she was to write a sequel, I think that's a topic that could be talked he- like heavily about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wraps up our questions for this Q&A. I think those are good ones. Yeah, I think that was fun. I think those are good ones. I'm very proud of my house. Me um, too. And that's because I refuse to let the stigma and stereotypes of others define me. And mm-hmm. I know what my strengths and weaknesses are as an individual Mm -hmm. and I think that other people know their strengths and weaknesses and just because you happen to be in one house doesn't mean you cannot be friends with or associate with or be involved in the lives of others but you guys know that so Mm -hmm. obviously do you guys know who's hosting this podcast yeah true (laughs) so yep on a less serious note what are you loving this week Delaney so, um, what am I loving this week? I totally just lost what I was going to say because I didn't write it down. Yeah. Go, go, go ahead and I'll down. try to, yeah, go ahead and I'll try to remember what I was going to say. This week I'm loving a sleep tracking app. So I have a Fitbit, the old version, not the new cool one that looks like an Apple watch. I've got the other one. I've had it forever <laughs> and it's just finally starting to kick the bucket, but it has a sleep tracking function. And it's, um, I love it because it's really validating for me. It tells me I sleep basically like shit. It breaks down all the times I'm (laughs) restless or awake or like how much quality sleep I get, what my REM cycles are. And it makes me feel better because I'm so tired in the morning. And then it's like, yeah, you were restless 57 times last night. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But (laughs) it's also helping me to establish a better sleep pattern. I get a notification that says, you know, it's time to get ready for bed around the same time every night. And then it kind of shows me if I'm hitting my target sleep and awake times. So that's been nice. helpful. I'm still working on figuring out why I wake up. Harry elbows me in the face a lot when we sleep. Um, well, that could be it. <laughs> so it's, it's really easy to see the exact moment he does it because there's a huge awake spike. And then like, I slowly fall back asleep. It's very frustrating. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I so thought, that's I my he elbowed me in the face last night. What time was that at? Oh, yeah. It was at 3 yeah, I can. He's like, no, I didn't. I was like, I can show you the exact time you elbowed me in the face. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so I did remember what I'm loving this week. Um, what I'm loving is that um, one of my friends who is actually going to be on our Dumbledore episode, whoop, she's whoop. going to join us. Um, she is an artist and she uh did like a craft night with me last night and was showing me some watercolor and I was doing like an abstract painting that I'm gonna put up in my house so learning new things and doing art stuff is what I'm loving crafty that's Mm -hmm. I am not good at crafting but I like it I find it very therapeutic unless it turns out really bad and then it's a frustrating experience for me 
but I don't yeah. know. There's just something I'm, very soothing about doing artsy shit. Yeah, and there's a lot like what I was making, this like abstract piece. I was literally just like pouring paint and then spreading it with a piece of cardboard. It does not take a whole lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, any kind of ability at all. The watercolor is a totally different story, but watercolor yeah, so is there are hard, man. Things. It's yeah. very hard, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's fun. It looks cool. Wow. So, yeah. Look at us sleeping better, doing therapeutic things. Mm-hmm. You would think, go. look at us go. It's finals week for me, so I'm pretty stressed, but that's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, get... from what we're loving, you'd think we're well rested, <laughs> adjusted yeah. adults. Yeah, but we're not. Um, I get a whopping one week break, which is Woo-hoo. also our spring break. It's our term break and our spring break. I'm like, ugh, whatever. Nice. I don't get a spring break. So that's because you're done with school, Delaney. That's how yep. that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But you can take vacation time. I can't take vacation. Yeah. Time. But a lot of times I have to work on vacation time anyways. But yeah. So that's going to wrap up our third host Q&A. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We like picking topics, but we'd also love your feedback. If you have questions you want us to answer in a Q&A or a weekly wizarding question or a topic in general, hit us up. You can find us on Instagram at Lumos Maxima Podcast, on Twitter at Lumos Maxima Pod, and just like earlier, you can send us an email at Lumos Maxima Podcast at gmail.com. We read them. We love them. We read your reviews. We read all of it. Speaking of reviews, please go on to whatever listening platform you use and rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you can like it, like it. If you can share it, share it. Share the podcast with a friend. You never know. Maybe you guys will listen to it together. Share a podcast with an enemy. Whatever. Yeah, I don't care who you share it with. If they're listening, that's cool. (laughs) We (laughs) will catch you guys next week with, who even knows, a standalone topic. I don't know what it'll be. I know that we have a Cursed Child episode coming up. If you don't want to listen to it, then that's okay. Then don't. You probably know what's already (laughs) happened in Cursed Child. It's not a secret anymore. Not even a little bit. Not even Mm -hmm. a little bit. It also came out two and a half years ago. Yeah, so, you know, get on that. So, yeah. But if there's ever an... We always put what it's going to be in the episode title. So if it's a topic Mm -hmm. that you are not ready to have spoiled, don't listen. We also have spoiler alerts. So, yep. anyway, that's going to wrap it up this week. Until next week, we will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.